This is Tiger Hall. No one grows up thinking, I want to be a single parent. But sometimes life happens and you find yourself there and you have to figure it out. 80% of single parents in the US are women. In the UK, where I'm from, this number seems even higher at 90% single mums and just 10% single dads. Children living in a single parent family are a third more likely to be living in poverty. You're about to hear my conversation with Rushali Gord, and I'm recording this introduction just five minutes after we wrapped up the recording, and I'm still slightly basking in how amazing I think she is. She started her career building diesel engines, a woman surrounded by men. She now heads up a sustainability consulting practice as managing director at Accenture. She's a single mum of two kids, aged 10 and 16. And as she described it to me, she said, I work in a very purpose-driven field, trying to contribute to shaping the future. This sense of purpose is in all threads of my life, both at work and at home. This is a huge part of who I am. We had a conversation about the challenges unique to single mothers. Here's our conversation. Rushali, why is being a working mother still so shit? Well, Pippa, first of all, thank you for having me and thank you for the opportunity to talk about working moms and especially working single moms. It's a great question. And I'll start with acknowledging that it is still very hard to be a working mom. We've come a long way, but can things be better in terms of the access, the facilities, the the path provided to working moms for being better leaders? Could it be better? Yes, definitely. But I'm an irrational optimist. And if I look at my own journey that I've come along, I have faith that, you know, while the system is not set up for success for working moms, we have made a lot of progress and we continue to pave the way for the next wave of women coming in. You know, I started my career as a mechanical engineer, you know, a predominantly male-dominated field, uh, continued to work in the car industry, which is again a male-dominated field, from then moved on into policy making, consulting, all of which is not really set up completely for working women. But the fact that I've been able to have a successful career through that and have transitioned to being a leader in the space that I work in makes me believe that while it's not perfect, there's a way. And we've taken baby steps. We could have taken jumps and leaps, but let's acknowledge the baby steps and then think about what can we do better now to have the next generation feel more welcome and more successful in the working environment. Love the optimism. You're officially the most optimistic person I've spoken to (laughs) throughout this whole trail. (laughs) We've got to have it, right? We have to have optimism (laughs) to think about things can get better. No, I love it. Okay, what mindset have you found helpful in navigating single motherhood? So let's just sort of acknowledge the fact that we've seen statistics like there's 22 million children in the US who live with single parents and more than 80% or more of those are raised by single moms. And so even in single parent child families, the odds are stacked against single moms. Mm -hmm. And single moms, you know, they come into the role they do, probably more financially constrained. It's hard being in the workforce as a female. It's hard being in the workforce as a parent, as a mom. And then you layer in the fact that you're a single mom. And a single mom trying to build your career. So it's a pretty high stack of challenges that you have to overcome. And my own single mom journey is like everybody else is not unique, but I've learned a lot through the process. And the process helps you become a better individual, a better parent, but also a better leader. For me, the overarching philosophy is what I use the acronym is as ARC. And, you know, that is ambitious, resilient and compassion. When you think about as a single mom, 
as a parent, as it is, you have a lot of trade-offs. As a working mom, you have a lot of trade-offs. And then as a single parent and single mom, it becomes even more difficult, right? You have to be 100% employee and you have to be 100% of a parent. And so the number one thing that I feel most women compromise on is their own ambition. And so the first piece that actually helped me was to rediscover my ambition, rediscover what I want from my profession, what I want for my life, and doubling down on that ambition. Because you know, the most important thing as a single mom you can do is to be successful, a successful role model for your children, but also be financially independent. And so rather than look at it as a trade-off, look at it as an opportunity to be ambitious, find your North Star and move towards it. Okay, so just so we're really clear, ARC is the framework, A-R-C. So we've just covered A for ambition and the R was for resilient? The second piece is resilience. That I think for any mom coming back into the workforce, that word means a lot because you've most likely taken sort of a zigzag path to your career. And being resilient is very important to kind of find your path back towards what you want. Most of the single moms come to the position they come in out of some challenging situations, right? Yeah. And so the ability to come back into the workforce and ability to relearn, ability to understand at times you have to focus more on your work life, at times you have to balance out more of your home life, I think builds this mindset of resiliency. I took sabbaticals throughout my career, prioritized my kids' interests many a times. And the idea that the resilience was a factor that helped me come back into the workforce, find my space, and then also find a way to be agile enough to take opportunities when they come. Okay. And so the last part of the framework, C? The last one for me is compassion. And I think that goes with just being real, that it's not perfect. It's not easy. It's compassion for yourself when you find yourself trying to make those hard decisions, having compassion for your kids, for your family who help you and who embrace the path you've chosen. And then I think just any of the situations we go through just make us more compassionate as leaders, compassionate as team players. And that makes us do far better in our professional lives than before. So the arc is the philosophy that has guided my own mindset as a single mom. I love it. So that's arc, A-R-C, ambition, resilience, and compassion. Great framework. One thing I wanted to ask you about is burnout and managing a busy corporate job and a busy home life. And you know, I I cringe a little bit when I say this is one of those things that you would never ask a man, how do you juggle home and work? I I always feel like I'm asking you an offensive, outdated question, but but it's it's necessary to ask here. And actually, I, I was reading some research last night that got me thinking about our conversation today. So Claudia Goldin, who's a professor of economics at Harvard, this is, this is the research I was exploring. She followed cohorts of men and women who graduated from top business and law schools. She saw them start their careers earning similar amounts. And then at the point of having children, she noted that Becoming a father has no impact at all on how much you earn, but becoming a mother has a significant impact on what you earn. And this is also something Juliana earlier in the trail mentioned too, that they had found at Pew Research Center. And I read about this after my chat with Juliana, so I didn't mention it then. But the reason I'm bringing this up when talking to you is that Claudia Goldin, the reason she gave for this gender pay gap emerging here is because these high paying jobs demand a lot of your time. She called it greedy work. And this much demand on your time isn't compatible with having young kids. So if you have two people in a couple, one of them will always step back in some way. 
And this person invariably was the woman. So if you're a single parent who has a quote-unquote greedy job that demands a lot of your time, and I don't mean to make assumptions about your schedule, but as an MD at Accenture, (laughs) I imagine you're busy. (laughs) How do you handle this as a solo parent and not burn out? That was a very long question, I realise. Yeah, listening to you through the question, I'm like, is she talking about me? Is she telling my story? Because <laughs> that's kind of been my journey. And I think that's been the journey of many women, right? Like we start our careers at a level of equity, same education, mm. really, really good academic degrees. You're in the similar profile jobs. And it's the same path going up the career ladder. And then at some point you have kids and you start noticing the gap and you start noticing the gap around pay. It's around promotions. It's around how ambitious you are. And the question you ask is very interesting, right? That is there a risk of burnout? Is there a bit risk of leaning in too much? And how does a single parent navigate a greedy job? You know, we've always as women want to have it all. We want to be the perfect mom, to be the perfect daughter, the perfect wife, the perfect employee, the perfect leader. And I think it's, there is a sense of having a balance. And there are times when you have to lean into being a parent a bit more. There are times you have to lean into your work more, especially at demanding roles at demanding times. And just having that realism around it, that maybe balancing it across a time frame versus wanting to have it all at one time is a better way of managing your own self, your own time and your own mental health around it. So for me, that sort of realistic understanding of what do I want? What do I prioritize? And that has really helped tremendously. I also feel that women underestimate themselves a lot. We have tremendous capacity to navigate complex complicated, multitasking environments. I don't condone that we should always do it, but I do feel women have a lot of capacity to take on more leadership roles, to take on more executive roles and find ways that to get help to to kind of balance out home priorities. The second thing to talk about over here is to double down on your ambition, but also be realistic about what kind of help that you would need. And, you know, pulling in the network of support. And what has been a big enabler for me In my role, it's a women leader in a consulting space, which involves travel, it involves client-facing engagements, and it also involves a little bit of a more flexible time schedule that you have to be available on. And so what has really helped me is understanding what my role involves and what kind of support system and network do I have to build around it to make sure that my kids and my home is taken care of. And then the last piece is, is being real with your children. I think most of us want to give the best, all of us want to give the best to our children, but recruiting them to being your champions, recruiting them to being your supporters and having real conversations with them is super useful. You know, a successful mom is a great role model for children. And I think, you know, I've seen that help me sort of how I, how I navigate burnout, how I navigate demanding work situations. So just going back to to what I was saying earlier about how I feel like it's a bit offensive to ask to ask you that like how do you juggle it all but actually I think it would be a perfectly fair question to ask of a single father like how do you juggle it all it just so happens that the majority of single parents are mothers I mean whether you're a single mother or a single father school times don't line up with work times and we've talked a lot about flexible working in this trail but these you know quote-unquote greedy jobs that we're talking about often don't allow this flexibility. So that's where the the real challenge comes in. And so if, as a single parent, you can't afford childcare, or if you don't have family support, I mean, you've just sort of referenced there that you need to have a great support system, but not everyone does have a great support system. You're suddenly in a very challenging situation when it comes to managing family and career. 
What are your thoughts on this? I don't think people realize how critical it is to have affordable, accessible and quality childcare. And if you are not in the income bracket that can afford that childcare, it becomes a very difficult decision to make. And I say that because I've been through that journey. I've been through that journey where the childcare situation has made me step back. And there's no really good answer here except we as a society have to invest and we as moms have to raise our hands and ask for help. And then we have to also, as much as we can, start influencing policy around it, whether it's company policy, whether it's uh, the country level, state level policy. But I think that as all of this goes hand in hand to kind of change the conversation on this. Yeah. I mean, the topic of childcare, unsurprisingly, has come up quite a lot in these conversations I've been having. I mean, it's just impossible. If you can't afford childcare, you can't afford to have a, a job where you have to work long hours. You just can't do it. Going back to where we started with, right? Like majority of single parents are single moms. Yeah. Single moms are disproportionately affected financially as a result of divorces, right? Most single moms have taken a different kind of journey to get where they are, which means they've either compromised on the role in the workforce, they've compromised on the pay that they get. Uh, and so if you take all of those and then you put her in the position of now that when you're independent, you know, getting back on your feet, the most difficult decision is affordable childcare. Is it available or not? It's like a double, triple whammy. Mm-hmm. And that's a very difficult position to be in. Hey, sorry to so rudely interrupt my own conversation, but I just wanted to let you know that this is a Tiger Hall podcast. Tiger Hall is the world's leading social learning platform, and we have hundreds of interviews just like this with amazing senior business leaders from around the world. These can all be accessed via the Tiger Hall app, which is free to download. You get free content every month and new stuff is uploaded every workday. I hope to see you there. I mean, uh, you touched on this a bit earlier, but I just think it's so true. The odds are stacked against you a little bit as a woman. Then when you become a mum, the odds are stacked against you even more. And then the odds are stacked against you even more when you're a single mum. So so it just gets harder. The bias grows as you go up this chain. And if a single parent is the sole breadwinner and there's this bias against you, that's perhaps it's a lot more serious from a financial standpoint if you're the only one providing. Perhaps if, if you're in a an opposite sex relationship where we know this bias against the man doesn't exist. I mean, it's definitely not ideal for the woman in this situation, but at least one of you isn't being penalized financially. So hopefully between the two of you, enough money is coming into the family pot, if you see what I mean. Yes, yes. The the odds <laughs> are stacked against us is something I'm very acutely aware of. Mm. Um, that's a great conversation to have because when you talk about biases, how many people do we have as role models who have succeeded despite all of these odd stack against them? And so having a conversation about it is the first step. As a single mom, your financial independence and your professional identity brings a lot of power and validation because you're leaning into your own success. And what you want to have is an enabler of that success. You want to be in a position where you can see how you can grow from that position. But most often we don't see this conversation happen that openly because we fear the bias of what if my company finds out I'm a single mom and I'm I'm not promoted? What if my colleagues feel that I'm a single mom and I cannot contribute as effectively to my team? You know, what if I'm kept away from some really good top of line projects because 
there's an assumption that I'll be distracted by my home responsibilities. These are actual conversations I've heard single moms have and why they would not publicly acknowledge what they are, where they are. And the way I look at it is it is no different from any anybody else who has, you know, some accommodation they need as a parent, as someone who's taking care of, you know, families or older parents. Everybody needs a work balance of accommodating what's in their house. And it's no different from single moms, but somehow we struggle to talk about it. In fact, we go the other way. I can tell you almost 100 percent of the single moms I know are probably the most hardworking. They lean in far too much into their work because that is what pays the bills. That is what helps them become effective caretakers and providers of their family. And so you've got this situation where you are so much more devoted and passionate and committed to your work, but you are equally reluctant to acknowledge where you are as an individual and kind of have that bias in the back of your mind. So it is definitely at the very least, we should be normalizing these conversations. We should create a space where it's comfortable to talk about, hey, this is my family dynamic. I don't want anything, any special treatment for it, but I want to create a space where it's open for everyone to to navigate it. Yeah. Single parents are probably the best problem solvers, the most efficient, probably learn lots of skills from having to to have this juggling act. You, you just referred to it then, but one of the things I did want to ask you was how you communicate your needs with your managers and, and colleagues. I mean, and we know that plenty of single parents out there will avoid talking about their personal life at work. You know, as, as you say, they don't want to be seen as someone who doesn't want assignments doesn't you know they wouldn't be put up for a promotion because they think oh well they won't be able to manage everything is there anything that you've learned about communicating this so let's start with two pieces of this one is you have to communicate i do believe we do disservice to everyone if you don't communicate sort of where you are what would make you successful and what would make you perform better at work most women and most working moms and single moms have a really good work ethic and we have to acknowledge the fact that like you said we're great at juggling things we're very efficient it probably makes us really good managers really good leaders most of us become very decisive because we have to get things done and if we take accountability for our decisions then that makes us very good leaders so why not acknowledge it that actually you're performing much better at work and all you're trying to do is have a good dialogue around how to become a more effective leader, a more effective employee. Part of it is with us acknowledging our power. I think that's one big part of the journey. And then the second part of the journey is, like I said, around about effective communication. You know, be open about it. You're not asking for any special grace. It's just a normal situation and you walk through it. And then create a network. I think at the heart of this is like any other work, you know, that you're trying to achieve is you understand What's your ambition? How do you want to achieve it? And then what are the roadblocks? What is it that will make you successful and create a system around it? From what you're sharing, I am taking away that you have a great culture where you work that allows for this. I've heard some really awful stories about, I mean, that just goes to show why so many single parents will avoid talking about their personal life at work. In fact, I was reading this book, it's a great book called Pregnant Then Screwed. There's a chapter on discrimination and it listed out some real life stories from people who'd got in touch with the author to share their discrimination stories. One of them was from a woman who had accidentally been CC'd in an email about an interview she'd just been for, in which the boss stated, don't offer her more than however many dollars. She's a single mom. She needs the job. She won't ask for more. I mean, that attitude is still alive and well. 
Yes, I've had the privilege of working for companies that have a far more open culture. At the same time, I'm also in consulting, which means it has a lot more pressure and a different lifestyle than most other fields. And so it is part of company culture, making sure that organizations are open and accommodative. And we're seeing a lot of progress in that. But yes, there are multitude of places where we haven't reached that threshold. It could be from a culture perspective. It could be from the fact that companies don't even know this is an issue. Companies don't even realize because more women don't come out and say or more single parents don't come out and talk about it. And so, yes, it is the elephant in the room that companies do not have a culture that is that embraces an open discussion around it, where you can sort of guarantee that these biases don't work against you. And even with companies who have a good culture, you never know how these biases work against you because it's a very individual response around this. But I do feel that having a phenomenal network of other female mentors and coaches, having fantastic male allies, taking opportunities to share your story, but also like leverage other stories, I think is a great first step towards sort of crossing that barrier. Yes. There's a bit of a stigma admitting that you need help as a mom. I was reading uh, Ursula Burns, who was the CEO of Xerox, she spoke at a conference recently and said, I would not be able to be the CEO of the company unless I outsourced the caring of my kids. And the the sort of the reporting that came after this was like, gosh, there is still a stigma for saying this as a mum. But it's it's very true. Like people don't make it to the C-suite unless they have some paid help or a stay-at-home partner. Can we just give a round of applause to Ursula Burns for actually saying <laughs> that, that out loud? And I really appreciate that because dating something that like that publicly, it does two things, right? It normalizes the idea that you can ask for help. It, it normalizes yeah. the idea that you need support and that support is a critical factor in success. But it's also very encouraging to see moms and moms who are CEOs to come out and say that very publicly. And we need more role models like that, right? And outsourcing sounds like a strong word, but let's Let's reframe that to say it takes a village to raise good children. Mm-hmm. And we've always known that phrase, but somehow when it comes to us as parents, we somehow forget that. And that village could be friends, families, neighbors, nannies, daycare, backup care. It's all part of it. But we've made it so competitive. We've associated some stigma around asking help. And I do feel like A lot of us as single moms are reluctant to ask for help. And then two, going back to my ARC framework, right, are sort of nervous about being ambitious. And one of the things I will say is one of my big learnings as a single mom is you're the biggest supporter and you're the biggest proponent of yourself. And in my case, I'm a great believer of recruiting your children for help. So my children are older and they help tremendously and they know if the mom is successful, they're proud about it and it helps them in becoming more rounded and well-groomed. Okay, Vishali, is there any advice you wish you could have given yourself a few years ago? I will say that early on in my career and my life, I wish I had the wisdom to pause and prioritize myself a little bit more and take a longer term view. You know, as women, we tend to lean in so much into taking on more at work than what's on our plate. We don't often stand up for ourselves in in an equitable manner. And I think one big learning was asking for help when you need it, especially in the career front when you have kids and you'd be navigating how to come back into the workforce. And so what's your advice for other single moms? For other single moms, the best piece of advice is a very simple piece of advice that was passed down from from my grandmother to my mother to me is that you keep turning the page. 
you know, life is a book, it has highs and lows, but you have to turn the page to see what the next chapter holds. And if you don't like it, you can also write your own. And for me, especially for Think Single Moms, when we talked about how everything is just stacked against us and at some points, it feels very daunting. It can be very lonely making some of those decisions yourself. Or even sometimes it's, it's excitement or nervousness about taking on new things. I feel like the whole attitude of keep turning the page and, and something good is right around the corner has helped me in my journey. And you know, that's sort of the advice I would give other single moms. I love that. Wisdom passed down through the generations. Is there anything else you think, gosh, if only I'd known that back then, that would have really helped? I think self-confidence and self-belief. When mm-hmm. I found myself at the crossroads and facing a divorce, I wasn't financially independent. I did not have a great job. I had taken a lot of twists and turns in my career journey. And then the field that I worked in, it wasn't as at top of its game as it is today. And so for me, that was a big, big piece of discovering the self-confidence that not only can I go back and rediscover myself professionally, but I can be really good at what I do. I, I can be really financially independent and I can make choices which will which are between better for me, but as well as my children. And one of them, you know, involved relocation. It involved taking up a role, which is, you know, as you said, a lot more demanding than conventional roles. And so having that sort of inner confidence and self-belief that even if you're not sure where you're headed and some people might question, you always have the best interest of your children at heart and you start having a best interest of yourself at heart and kind of continue with that confidence. The second side of that coin is you have to give yourself permission slips. You give yourself permission slips to make a few mistakes, to not be that perfect. And you find your way back and you learn from those and you grow. And I think giving ourselves those sort of permission slips to not make the best, the perfect decision, but you've made a decision based on the information you have. And it's okay at that point of time. And then you see how it pans out. I think that's another piece of learning that I've kind of garnered over the years. You started this with a great question, you know, why is being a working mother still so shit? And I wonder, what does the next generation feel when they look at us? Do they feel that we've really moved the needle and we've made progress and you're starting to see all these women leaders and you're starting to see single moms, working moms be more successful? Or do they look at us and say, oh my gosh, that journey is so hard. Oh my gosh, you know, that is the system is not still set up for success and start making some very interesting choices around when they want to be moms, whether they want to continue working at what pace, how do they envision themselves in the future? So I think that's another really interesting conversation and something, you know, businesses, policymakers should be looking at as they define the space for the next generation of working mothers. I love that the next generation is watching us. Sounds very cool. Also sounds like a lot of pressure. <laughs> well, I have a 16-year-old who's watching me, so it is a lot of pressure. So, you know, and, yes. <laughs> yeah, we're being watched. Great advice. Thank you. I have to thank you for a couple of reasons. I think one, of course, this is a conversation to be had, right? The whole series around working moms and the conditions for working moms and specifically around single moms. That's a conversation that doesn't happen every day. So thank you for giving space for that. And I can attest that, you know, this is the first time that I'm publicly speaking about being a single mom. And, you know, someone who's as open as I am, confident, seemingly confident as I am, and in a position, you know, in a comfortable professional position in a company that's, you know, pretty embracing in its culture, I still 
took a pause when, you know, do I want to talk about it? What is the intended impact that I'm looking for through this? And I, I just want to, you know, acknowledge that having this conversation has been enriching. It has been a learning journey. And I'm hopeful that others take away a little bit from it and sort of embrace their truth and, and continue to being normalizing the single mom journey. That's so lovely. Thank you so much for, for saying that and for sharing that. Thank you. I'm so grateful to Vrishali for opening up and trusting me with this conversation. After we hit the stop button on the recording, I was telling her that I had tried to find some great examples of single mums smashing it in the corporate world, thinking that I could bring them into the conversation and we could discuss them. And I was struggling to find any. There were celebrity single mums and some startup founder single mums who built businesses on their own terms with their own schedule. But there simply aren't many single mothers working in big corporate jobs like Vrushali who are out there speaking about this. So many workplace norms are still based on the idea of the ideal worker, as Marianne Cooper explained, someone who's always available. And that's just not feasible for a single parent. And I can see why so many people are reluctant to be too vocal about the challenges they face, should they face some sort of discrimination, unconscious or not. This is a big topic, and if you've been listening to this as a single mother yourself, I would love to hear what you think. I'm aware that there are so many layers to the challenges you'll be facing. Please leave me a comment on Tiger Hall if you have any feedback or thoughts of things I missed in this conversation. You can also reach out to me on LinkedIn, Pippa Woodhead from Tiger Hall. Uh, Let me know if there are any angles to this you think we should cover next. Our final conversation in this trail is up next. I'm going to be speaking to Shu Matsu Post, a feminist father and husband who took a seven-month paternity leave. We're going to be discussing why he feels paternity leave is essential for gender equity. You've been listening to a Tiger Hall podcast. Quick favour. If you like this content, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new upload from us. And of course, if you're hungry for more, and why wouldn't you be, don't forget to download the Tiger Hall app for hundreds more just like this.